traveling group. <laughs> hey, good morning, North River family. Hey, we do church together here, right? That's how we do it, and it keeps us safe and protected, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this this morning. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a week where babies are being born, okay, spiritually and physically. Uh, I saw one of our, uh, on one of our email threads that we were on this week, and uh, Pam Whitney's daughter, Erin, was in labor. And um, there were some complications, and she did what so many of us do, we're all a part of a small group, a family group. We've got close friends. And so an email went out. You know, hey, Aaron, you know, it's having a few complications here. Please pray, you know, that everything will go well for mom and the baby. Well, uh, uh, Asabo, a little boy, was born, and the next email came out. Thanks for your prayers. Mom and baby Bo are fine. It's great to be a part of a family where God's word is lived out every day. We feel very loved. Is that not awesome? Okay, that's how it's supposed to be in God's family, that we are tight-knit, we're close, we're a village, we're together, we protect each other, we look after each other, we serve each other, and that's why it's always important to be together to worship, but also to be a part of our small groups, our family groups, and also a part of uh, our one-on-one -on -one relationships. They're so important. And today, we have our first session uh, uh, this uh, this year of New to North River. It starts at 1230. It's over in FLC 101. And if you've been visiting the church or you've moved here recently in the last few months, you've never been through one of those series, we'd like you to come. Go catch a, uh, some coffee or a little brunch or whatever. Get, make your way back over here by 1230, and we'll have an hour together with many of our North River uh, elders and leaders and others, and we'll let you know exactly what it means to be a part of the church family here. All right, we're going to... Uh, to, to forge on here with one other announcement. Lois and Melissa have asked me, by the way, Melissa just had a baby boy as well. All right, Henry Thomas, uh, we welcomed him into the world. So lots of babies. And of course, Melissa and Lois are all about children's ministry, right? Okay, so you'll notice in your newsletter, there's an insert. If you didn't get a newsletter, we ran out and we'll have some a little bit later on. But if you don't have the insert, you can go online, you can go to the website, and you can be registered to be one of the hundred or so teachers that we need this upcoming rotation. It begins April the 8th, and we're asking you to really help us as we continue to build here at North River. We're building so many things, including a great ministry for our kids. All right. We're back in the book of Exodus right now. We've been working on this for a few weeks. So this is the series, Exodus Set Free for God's Glory. How's your reading in, F in, in Exodus going? How's it going? Good? You've been in it this week? You've been in it every week? Are you getting caught up? If you are, you, you know, there's momentum building in your heart because you're seeing so many parallels with how God is working with his people and those who are not his people that flow right into our faith, right into the themes and messages of the New Testament. And so, but it's been about seven weeks now. If you're not totally in gear, time to get in gear. We're going to make a uh, mention in just a minute. We've got a devotional book that you can go through in 30 days that Douglas Jacoby has written on Exodus 9. Night of Redemption. I'm going to read a quote from it in just a minute, but we've got those books on sale in the back. We've got the regular discounted copies for $11, and we've got 
a misprint on one of the pages. And so we're going to be able to offer that to the thrifty and those that are saving up for Generosity Sunday, etc., for $7. So 7-Eleven, you got a deal, okay? Get back there. Get that book and dig in it. It's short chapters. You can read it for a quiet time. In about seven minutes, I mean, it really helps you get prepared for what God, you know, is doing. All right, so today... We continue to talk about Moses, and we are talking about the ten plagues, okay? That's the material that we're in, where Jeff left off, and we've taken up in our reading here. And our theme is faltering lips at first. Moses is faltering a little bit, but he gets it worked out. But this, these next few chapters, you know, from 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, they're really all about our heart and having a hard heart and seeing the very hand of God, the power of God. So open up your Bibles, the book of Exodus, and we will begin in Exodus chapter 7. You can follow along with me up here. Even better to follow along in the scriptures. Okay, here we go. You are to say everything that I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh, let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I will multiply signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt with mighty acts of judgment. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. You'll notice I bolded a couple of things. One is the theme you're going to see all the way through the next several chapters about our hearts getting hardened. And even when you see God do great things, you can respond to it in different ways. In Pharaoh's case, he hardened his heart. But I bolded this because this is just a real, almost like a little throwaway verse in there. But it inspires me. Moses, 80 years old. Aaron, 83 years old, and I can't tell you what it means to me personally as a man to be able to look at someone 20 years older than me, ahead of me, that are on fire for God. They're working through their faltering lips. They're working through their issues you get, you know, as the decades pile up on you, but they're still willing to go with God. They're not just going to sit down and stay down. That inspires me. I got to believe it inspires you too. And one of the beauties of the intergenerational church that Jesus died for, that we can see people older, younger, our peers all work, you know, together. It's pretty inspiring. All right. So we know what happens, okay? You've been reading these passages. All right. It's the 10 plagues of Egypt. The 10 Egyptian plagues, they were harsh. They were, they were not just little slaps on the wrist here. And they were taking full aim at the Egyptian gods and goddesses that were so prevalent during that day. The number 10 is significant in the Bible. It, it represents a fullness of, in a sense. And so you've got the fullness of the 10 commandments, the fullness of God's moral law. You got with these plagues, these 10 plagues, the fullness of God's judgment on a hard heart and those who stubbornly, you know, continue to, to, to blow him off. This is, uh, this is something that I want us to, to consider. I'm going to actually do now, I'm going to read this uh, little reading from uh, Douglas's book, chapter 6. You get the sense that I'd like you to get one of these? I don't make any money from it, but it, it does help you grow spiritually. Okay, and it's a, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing to take at work, open up. Hey, look what I was reading. What were you reading today? 
okay, or to show one to your kids. Very simple. Go in the back, go get it, okay, or uh, ask somebody to pick it up for you. Here's what Douglas says in chapter 6, which is about, incidentally, these plagues. The plagues were God's way of preparing the pathway for the Hebrew exodus from Egypt. They were ideally suited for this purpose. They affected a reversal in Egyptian confidence in their gods. The ten plagues against Egypt were not simply punishments against a hard-hearted king. They were devastating attacks on the false gods of Egypt and against the entire religious system of the land. Some of you that have studied this out, that have read through, know exactly what Douglas is referring to and about how each one of these plagues actually took aim and fired at an Egyptian false god. Now, if you go ahead and read chapter 6, okay, you're going to also be able to get a little serendipity. Douglas here talks about the, the Egyptian god that is most amusing to him. And you'll get a kick out of it, maybe a smile, and you may be prepared for an extra credit question that may come floating your way sometime the rest of this week. All right? But let's go look at the major, you know, points that are, that are happening here. Okay, we know the plagues, okay? You know, with these Egyptian gods, we've got the, 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 the blood of the Nile. It was aimed at Ahapi, the Egyptian god of the Nile. There was Hecate, the Egyptian goddess of fertility, who had the head of a frog. And we know the, the, the plague of the frogs is just inundated, you know, Egypt at that time. Geb, the god of the earth or the god of dust. And then the dust turns into this lice or gnats, okay, that completely torment that entire entire country except for God's people. You've got Kephri, the Egyptian god of creation, and uh, he was noted by the, with the head of a fly. He was sort of, for you vintage brothers and sisters, he was sort of the original Jeff Goldblum, okay, you know, on the fly. I mean, that's who this guy was. And then the, the, the flies came in swarms, you know, uh, as God kind of mocked him. Hathor, the Egyptian goddess of love and protection, usually depicted with the head of a cow. We know the livestock were devastated in the next plague. Nut, the Egyptian god of the sky, we remember what happened. Hail rained down and just destroyed the crops and tormented the people. Seth, the Egyptian god of storms and disorder, and swarms and storms of locusts came eating everything in sight. And then, of course, you know, there was Ra. Some of us have heard about him through history, the sun god, and the three corresponding days of darkness. And then God took aim and fired at the chief god himself, Pharaoh. Pharaoh was viewed to be the greatest of the gods, actually the personification of God in the flesh. And, 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 and the plague, this terrible, tragic, absolutely avoidable plague that devastated his country, even his own family, the plague of the firstborn, dying. And the Israelites, God's people, passed over when they followed exactly what he said. We celebrated that in a sense this morning, didn't we? When we took communion, how God has passed over us and our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we get to celebrate that every single Sunday when we take communion together. Here's, here, here's the thing that happened again and again. 
with the, we, you know, when, when, when God turned the water, you know, waters to blood, uh, you know, Pharaoh's heart got hard and his magicians could kind of pull off something similar. And then he goes on and on, or that was the snake rather, and then it was the blood. And then we go on, we go on plague after plague after plague and the dead livestock and the lice and, and the gnats and, and the frogs and, you know, the hail and the storms. Every single time Pharaoh's heart was unyielding, it hardened, it hardened, it hardened. Time after time, plague after plague, seeing his people devastated, but he would not submit to God. This is the predominant phrase all the way through these chapters, and it rings out in the New Testament as well because we know we've studied out, you know, these things. And then finally, this is tragic. You know, things happening at the end of these plagues, and again, you know, God, the Lord, hardened Pharaoh's heart just as he said, that he would. You know, this prompts me to go, what's up with this guy? Seriously. What is up with this guy, Pharaoh? How could he see all of that and still refuse to listen to God, repent, and change his ways? What is the number one battle you and I face? What is it? Is it not the battle for your heart and my heart? Isn't that really the number one battle all of us have? Now, so many passages, old and new, will flood through you as you, you, as you study your Bible. Above all else, Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, above everything else, do what? Guard your heart, for from it, flow the wellsprings of life. David, you know, is crying out to God, create in me, God, create in me, please, create in me a what? A pure heart, a clean heart. Oh God, that is the battle. It's what Ephesians 6 describes, where we have all these, the, 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 these spiritual forces of evil that we feel, you know, you can almost feel them working on you at times and on your heart and on your pride and on your, you know, on your mind. And is this great battle that's going on. And it's not just for our actions. They will flow from our mindset and our hearts. Anybody got passwords? And you got, maybe I got passwords to protect the things that are important to you. Do you have a password for your heart so you don't let stuff get in there and hurt you and thereby hurt other, other people? Hey, this is, uh, you know, I can't tell you how really important this is. And there, there, there are issues like bitterness versus forgiveness, temptation versus self-denial, Action versus apathy in our lives. Daily fellowship with each other or being on an island ourselves and keeping people at an arm's distance. Meditation or media. There are just so many, many things here that affect our, you know, our hearts. And here's the interesting thing about it. Regardless of the circumstances that go on in our life, the same force, the same power or the same sun that melts butter will also harden clay. It's how we react to it. Now, let me say something to, well, to all of us, because who, who's getting older in this room? Yeah, that would be us. 
And as you advance and as you get a little bit older, we know something that happens. And I experienced this in my life and my family, as so many of you do. Your losses mount up, right? There are a lot of great things that happen. But there are losses that you have. There are disappointments. You know, there are hurts. There are financial crises. There are health challenges. There are relationships that deteriorate. There, there are frustrations you have, even with your own church, your own family, your own friends. And there are losses, and they build up, and they come after you. And yet, here's the thing. People will respond to them in different ways, won't they? On one hand, to look to God and to pray and to, and to pull people into their life and to get help and to spend time, you know, looking to God. And on the other hand, you can go in a completely different direction, just harden yourself to the whole process. And so this is the thing as we go through these things. These, these plagues, I mean, should have very early on caused, caused Pharaoh to go, okay, you know, hey, you know, I repent, I change, okay, what do I need, you know, what do I need to do? It's something we've got to really evaluate in our lives because this is, this is a battle, you know, that we have. And then the obvious thing, you've got the point, you can't read the Bible without realizing this is not about them, it's about us. This sermon, 25, 27-minute sermon is not about Pharaoh, it's about me and you. That's who it's about. Oh, Anthony Sisko gave us a cartoon a week ago. And his Rolling on the River cartoons, some of you really like, like it. A bunch of you go, I don't get that, you know, and you scratch your head, okay? But Anthony has a unique kind of humor, and it does. And I, I know the middle school and high school kids love it. They say, when's the next cartoon? Well, here's one. Okay, we're just as personalized. And the kid goes, hey, listen, we've been studying the book of Exodus. In case you've been resisting, you know, Yahweh, I thought you might want to know there's a frog on your head, you know, and, uh, or, you know, a gnat. So it is, it is about us in a more serious way here. Today, as the Holy Spirit says, if you hear his voice, what about me and you? Don't harden your heart as you did in the rebellion, because now he's going down from Pharaoh to the church. He's going from Pharaoh's heart getting hardened to God's people as they were out of captivity and they're wandering around the desert, and now their hearts start getting hard. They stop appreciating. They start rebelling themselves. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews says, you know, gang, don't harden your, your hearts as they did in the wilderness where your ancestors, they tested me and they tried me. And for 40 years, I stuck with them and saw what they did. But that's why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts, they're always going astray. That could be the epithet or, epitaph or whatever the word is of the North River Church. 40 years from now. You know, where we got, I was talking to a good friend of mine. We had breakfast yesterday, and he let, uh, lives next door to, uh, you know, to a church. And he's going over and visited, and it's actually a big, a pretty big, beautiful church, you know, here in Marietta. And there are only a handful of people that meet there on Sunday uh, morning. And if you're in your 70s, you're very young. And at one time, maybe it was vibrant. One time, a lot of things, but you know, hey, 30 years go by, 40 years go by. It doesn't have to be a church. It can be me or you, right? 30 years go by, 40 years, you know, you know, go by. I, uh, I, uh, I want to go to this next passage because 
What exactly hardens our hearts? And I connect with this on a personal level as I think you do. What is it that hardens our hearts? Actually, it's not the circumstances that come into, you know, our life or some of the, you know, the challenges, you know, or disappointments. The Bible makes it pretty clear. You know, what hardens our hearts? See to it. It's actually a Greek verb about get together, visit each other, see to it. You know, not just think about it, but get involved. See to it, my brothers and sisters, that none of you, what does he say? has a sinful, unbelieving what? Heart. That does what? It turns away. It strays away from the living God. But encourage one another, what? Don't you love this passage? Encourage one another how often? Daily, because your heart needs some help. How often? You got it every day. Encourage one another every day. As long as it is called today, in other words, not what? Tomorrow. The next day, next week, or next Sunday, I'll come back and see you. Okay, but encourage one another, each other, every day, as long as it's called today. So why? So that none of you, you and me and my family and your family, so none of us get what? Hardened by sin. Because sin is very deceitful, isn't it? I remember... You know, I've shared this with you guys before. You know, the 90s were not a good time for me. I've been a Christian for a pretty long time, you know, maybe 25 years. And uh, I got into sin, and my heart got hard. Marriage was in real rough shape. I had to get those, I had to get weekly, really weekly discipling times, you know, in our marriage and, and get some help and wasn't fit to be in the ministry. And I'm struggling away trying to support my family 40 years old and new career and just hustling and traveling a lot and, you know, just trying to make some money, okay, and go to as few services as I could so I wouldn't get in trouble. That's where I was, okay? And so I, I remember and I knew my heart was not like it used to be. I knew that. It was, I, di I didn't need you to tell me or even Kelly to tell me, you know, I knew it was there, and I still remember. Sometimes I'd be, and the flights were the time, because I'm a real active guy, and I'm energetic, and I work hard, and all, you know, so I don't take time to stop and think. That's me. That's my DNA. But when you get on a plane, there's not much running up and down the aisle. And so on these plane flights from California back a lot of times to the East Coast and back, I would have a lot of time to think. And I remember on those flights knowing I am not right with God. I remember praying actively more than a couple of times, God, please do not harden my heart. I'm not doing good. I'm not doing great right now. I'm kind of resistant to some things. I'm kind of in my own space and in my own head, right? But God, please don't harden my heart. I'd seen it. I'd seen other people turn away. I'd seen it. And it was scary to me, but I but, but, but I wasn't ready to make that change. But, you know, maybe somebody in this audience needs to be praying right now. You know, God, please don't harden my heart. I'm just not into the singing. I kind of sit there and Jesus be the center of my life and I'm like zoning. You know, or men who dream and I'm like watching people sing around me out loud. And I don't feel, you know, and during communion, my mind's wandering in a prayer. You know, uh, I, I know what it's like to have my heart completely into this. And I know where I am right now. God, please, whatever you do, don't harden my heart. And let me get back to daily encouragement, daily fellowship, because just maybe the Bible is true. Steve, you and me need daily encouragement. They will never get that strong where we really don't need it. If it's not daily, 
It's not really Christianity. Did you know that? All the things in the Bible, what we just read, where it says, uh, deny yourself if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross. How? Daily and follow me. In Acts chapter 2, you see the picture of the early church. We're trying to be more like that church instead of the church 2,000 years later, okay, so far removed. And you saw what they did. Daily they met together. And the temple courts are from house to house. And they broke bread together and they fellowshiped and they boldly shared the great news about this new life. If it's not daily, it's not Christianity. Let me give you a charge and an admonition. As your brother in Christ, make it daily in your lives because the stakes are really high it's not just if you're a preferred church member or not or people look at you and think whoo strong christian way way bigger than that it does affect your kids it does affect generations it does affect people around you it does affect your mental health it does affect your all those things yes but just for your own heart the most important thing you and i possess above all else Guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. So as we conclude, as we get older, how about we get softer? I don't really mean around a waistline, although that... I did look in the mirror last night. Ooh! It's February, you know, and so got to throw off the winter coat. But that's not what we're talking about. As we get older, let's get softer, not on our doctrine. Do you know the world needs the right doctrine? The religious world really needs it. Not on our convictions, right? We don't need to soften up those. We need to strengthen them on up with Jesus being the Lord of our life. But what are we talking about? But softer toward God himself. Amen? A softer heart toward God himself so when we read the Bible we don't have to have somebody standing over us prodding us you know like a you know a little cattle prod to do it and a softness toward the Bible even if we've read it for years and years and years it's new every morning Psalm 119 and so many others and a softness toward people God's people right you know, and then, of course, the Bible says that, you know, that we should do good to all men, but especially to those of the household of faith, your brothers and sisters in Christ, to be soft towards God's people and to be soft toward the world. Compassion. And to care. And when Jesus says, go make disciples, it's not just another arbitrary command, but it also flows from us becoming more like Christ, more like God and caring about others as well. You know, uh, what I was hoping I would get up there is uh, that one. It just comes down to loving God, loving people, and changing the world. How about, though, this, brothers and sisters, as we follow the good examples in the Bible and the ones that aren't so good, let's above all else for the rest of our lives guard our heart because from it flow the wellspring of life. He, hey, you get these moments in time when your heart is renewed and then sometimes reborn. And we get to see that, you know, as we get ready to close out our service. Mark Telebella is going to come up and she's going to uh, be able to share a few things. I think you got the mic there? Beautiful. Okay. So, Mark Telebella and she's got some good news to share. 